Hi, and you're very welcome to maybe the second last episode of season three of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. It's number 41, just to keep all things accurate. And once again, uh, my name is Brefney Early, and I'm joined by the omnipotent, is that the right word? Omnipresent, maybe better? Omnipotent could be a completely different thing. Aaron Clark. Aaron, uh, another show, 41 this year, uh, of probably 42. We might come back after next week's international games, or this week's international games, uh, just to wrap up the end of the calendar year in the women's football world. But uh, you're very welcome back. It's been a bit of a gap. So I uh, hope you haven't missed me too much. It's been a, it's been a manic manic couple of weeks. Manic couple of weeks. It actually feels weird to actually start being dying down, starting to die down a little bit, and just take that little simmer away from the, the ever present football. And you know, there's just three games left to go. There's the two internationals, and then and once Galway finished with the underdogs on Saturday, we're sort of out of the way. Then football's complete for a little while. A little bit of time to recharge, although I'm sure it'll be a, a massive, busy off-season. So much to happen, so much merry-go-round still to go. Thankfully, it doesn't look like we're going to get another club coming in, but we will get a lot of a lot of action within them clubs. As Bjork said once upon a time, it's oh so quiet at the moment. There's very little, publicly at least, discussion. But I can imagine, just like a duck on the, on the lake, uh, there's a lot happening under the water in terms of... Uh, clubs getting themselves in order we still have, don't know who's going to be in the dugout for at least three of the clubs next year um we still waiting to see who gets the gig in wexford in bohemians and of course in treaty so that's going to be interesting watching first of all i suppose in the next couple of weeks i'd expect to see some news on that there's a lot of whispers going around about who might be going where we have had some big appointments uh, we might start there in terms of the the recent news i suppose let's get that out of the way um new manager at shells Owen Weir, former league of ireland player with almost 100 appearances in the league i think for bows limerick sligo uh, plus maybe one or two others i've forgotten about um very impressive cv though he's got to be a good appointment for shells to replace no king to be honest which i wasn't expecting it and that's being honest i sort of thought who would they look at would they look at someone external but towards the end of last week it sort of became apparent that they were looking internal and then once they said they were going to go internal the case was would it be would it be rory kirk who's going to assist them or would it be Owen who take the job like coincidentally Owen only came into the club when when Ken Kernan decided to go to Athlone and become the assistant manager midway through the season, Owen came in and took over that under 17 team who won the double. Like he's, he's a lot of respect within within football, um, making his pathway within within management. It's it's an interesting appointment. Still only 31, quite young, hungry, ambitious. Has coached a bit in the states, coaching in the in the, the, the NWSL like the the second league where. He, where Maddie Maddie Pierce would have played, uh, Maddie yeah, Maggie, uh, Maggie Pierce, yeah, sorry, would have played. Maggie Pierce would have played. So he coached, he coached against, you know, in that sort of league, bit of experience. It's, it's definitely a big step up from. But I think from from what I'm hearing from people um, within shells, a lot of people are excited. A lot of people think this man, this young management duo, could they'll definitely come in and freshen up things a lot. Um, the thing for Shelburne is that next generation of players are nearly ready to go. Yes, we've seen the Hannah Healy's, Rebecca Devros, the, the Leah Riley's, the young players like that coming through. But there's another five, six, seven of them younger players that would have worked with the likes of Owen and, and Rory. So to see more of them potentially stepping in next year, it, it makes it makes an interesting time. Like while everyone's talking about the positive of of of, of Owen being announced at Shells, I think owns first job and you'd probably you probably agree with me on this his first job has to be to try tie down maggie pierce and keep maggie pierce again next season i think her, herself and christy have been, have been very good for the club this year 
if they keep if they could keep them, that'd be a good to add to the players that will be there. I'm I am hearing that there's potentially going to be no retirements out of shelves this season. That was the question: Would the would the older players go? Would the likes of Noel, Pearl, and Rachel to say, "Listen, we've had enough." But the fire in the belly is still is seemingly still there from them players, and if they remain if they remain on as as being as being indicated, I think that'll be a big boot. That'll be a big boost to them. Big boost well, to shells. I, I think. Can I probe you on that a little bit because yeah. I think. I completely agree with you. The players of that ex- experience and expertise around the league and just the guile that those girls that you mentioned uh, bring to a team, um, you can't you can't overestimate that. But we look at the renaissance in Piemont after they lost a lot of their front row uh, team, just their fir- first 11 selection. They probably lost half that in the previous winter. And the girls who came in to replace them, and you've talked about that really exciting under-17 side that won a double. The under-19s, there's no uh, there's no bad players in that squad either at Shell. So um, is it, is it a, a super positive that those girls are sticking around, or or is it a time that maybe it's to see what's coming behind them and start seeing more players getting blooded in by Shells? See, the thing is, and this is where I, this is where I see your point, but I also see the other side of it. If you were to lose three damn players, considering the players of Shell's constantly been losing, if they lose your three or four who are going to potentially go back to the, the others across the, the Atlantic as well, if they lose all them, they're they're back to square one again. Whereas I think for the for Shells, I think it's important to keep the likes of Noel, Pearl and, and Rachel. A day will come where Noel, Pearl and Rachel aren't the, the mainstays within that Shells team. That's gonna come. We've seen it a, a little bit this year where some players have started some of them have come in and come out. Pearl hasn't had the best of seasons, but in terms of injuries this year, she's been injured, injured, was injured quite a bit. It's the first time I've seen it. But I think realistically, we've seen from experience in the last couple of years where Pearl has played alongside the likes of Jesse Stapleton, helped her, helped it. You know, I think that's where Pearl, the likes of Pearl's invaluable to Shelburne. If Pearl stays fit to sort of help that next group along and, and, and support that next group along, there's no doubt about it. These sort of players don't have long left in the legs. Same the likes of Kylie Murphy, Adele Kennedy. We're going to see clubs losing that that sort of general generation of players that were the last of them that have been there since the early waves of the National League. We're going we're to start to see that coming in the next year or two where we will get to where it'll, it'll be a league where the average age will, will massively decrease and that's what I do expect. But I, I, do, I, do I think these sort of players have, have multi-years left in them? Probably not. It probably could be this one, la- one last opportunity for them. I think I think for, for Shelburne, I think you, you look at the way the likes of Pearl is, Pearl is sort of treated within the club. She, she's seen as an icon. Noel Murray's just scored goals for fun. But the, the one thing I will say on, on the other side of it, Dennis, Noel probably hasn't had her best season. Rachel probably Rachel hasn't had an okay-ish season with Pearl's injuries. They really have that little bit of a bite, bite between their teeth when when preseason starts back on the cold winter nights. That's where it will tell because you're right in what you're saying. These next younger generation, they're going to be sniffing right on the heels to say, "Hold on a minute, I deserve to play again, play ahead of you." And that's where we'll see how much they have left. But I definitely think, from an experience viewpoint, they have so much, they've so much still to offer Shelburne. I think if Shells were to lose them as well as probably what will go out the door, it could be a really difficult off season. I think there's a there's a fine balance in that. Speaking of that generation of player, of course, as well, uh, the only sign-in officially so far that's been announced by any club in the league uh, took place today, and that is Julianne Russell, who will be probably on the lower edges of that generation, but still, uh, nonetheless, there's a three at the start of her age. Um, She'd been re-signed by Galway and I. She didn't play a whole pile last year because of uh, family situations. Uh, she obviously gave birth during the year and is back playing now, uh, but she was an integral part in that switch from... Galway WFC to Galway United 
and I can't see her being out of that maroon jersey for well, maybe another pregnancy aside, maybe in the short term for the next couple of seasons. Breffney, I don't mean when I say this, I don't. I'm not saying, saying it in a bad way. She's a freak of nature for what she's done to to to, have, to give birth and then to run a marathon so quickly after it. You know, she's just got that 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 athleticism, and I think realistically, I think she'd be really important for Galway next year. I think hopefully they can get Lindsay McKee. They can get keep the likes of Lindsay McKee and other players being around for so long. But even with the likes of Galway, we're still seeing a lot of them youngsters starting to come through, starting to really make an impression and sort of turn around and, and say to Phil Trail, listen, I know you've got a new contract now. Now let's play me and let's get results and let's sort of see where we can push on. And I think I think from, from a lot of clubs, we're going to see them trying to keep their elder, sta- elder statesmen, as, as to say it, but they're not necessarily as reliant on them. I do think Julianne will do a great job for Galway and I'd expect to see her play a large majority of the games this season for them. Yeah, of course, on our website, as you can see behind us here, if you're watching us on YouTube or on video, uh, we keep a transfer tracker on our website. You can keep track of who's in, who's out across all of the clubs. Very little real detail yet, but I would expect that to start growing in in depth once said. While you have that open, I want to ask you, what's your thoughts on what's going on with Cork with some players who've been there for a long time being, being let go? Oh, you've asked the $64,000 question, haven't you? Um, I I would be more concerned about some of the rhetoric on social media afterwards from former Cork players who are no longer in the club. Um, we had Danny on the show. It's probably 15, 16 months ago now, maybe even a little bit longer. Um, I was very impressed with his passion, his enthusiasm. Danny Murphy, of course, the, the Cork City women's manager, um, and where he wanted to take the club. To be fair... That hasn't happened in, in terms of the results on the ground. I, I don't know enough about the the ins and outs of the of the atmosphere in the in the team or in the club. Um, but the outcomes that they were looking for have not been delivered. And it seems that there's more than maybe meets the eye going on behind the scenes in terms of some of the comments that were made by former prominent Cork City players um about the fact that they lost players of the stature of the ones they lost. Like for me, I know we had Danielle Burke on the show this year. I'm amazed she's left Cork. I never thought I'd see the day, to be Lauren honest. Lauren Singleton as well. Yeah, um, Kelly Leahy was a very highly rated underage player. Never quite got the opportunity maybe in the first team. Uh, why that is, I don't know. But um, and The other few, side of it, 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 did answer, it, it did answer some questions for us. Because we've asked the question about Abby McCarthy and supposedly... Yeah from social media saying she was being gone out of club months. So that has answered a couple of questions of staff players are left mid season. What's gone on? Will we, will we, we probably won't find out to the extent Never of what's gone unless somebody decides. But like the thing, the thing is every time they seem to take a step forward, there's no consistency or there's no, there's no push on from it. It was a step forward. Then it was either maintain or go backwards or take a big defeat. And like, the problem is, is he's an, he's another manager where he tried so hard to blend so many young players in, but that mix of experience is what he's, what has been desperately needed there and desperately to give them young players like the likes of Elliot O'Brien's been brilliant for them. But but the young players is fine, Aaron. If you keep those young players and they develop within the club system, yeah. if those young players are leaving after two years, like we've seen That's a the for a serious number of years, um, mm-hmm. if you develop a good player, give her a couple of games, maybe a dozen games, two dozen games over a season or half a season, and all of a sudden she pops up at Galway or she pops up at Lone or Cork or Wexford. Like, you really don't have a chance to develop that player and 
you've lost all the effort and the, the resources and the time that's gone into that player from the club's point of view. And that, that just that hemorrhaging just can't can't work. It won't work. So um and hemorrhaging six quality. Well, I'm not gonna individualize them, but there's definitely three or four really good names in there that you kind of say she'd get her game in most of the clubs in the league, and she'd she'd improve any squad across the league at every level of the league. And and that's the type of player Cork can't afford to lose. And I suppose you got to ask yourself what's in it for the player because obviously they've given up their time, their their social lives, their the sacrifices that people make to play at this level of any game in this country, and they just feel like it's not worth their while anymore. And and we haven't seen them rushing to be announced by anybody else. I know technically they probably can't until the 1st of December, but it's just one of those things where it's a worry for Cork. They finished rock bottom of the league again. It's not the first time that's happened. Um, and Sligo and Treaty both kicked on this year a little bit. Well, definitely for the second half of the year in terms of Sligo last year. But um, Sligo, in, this, in the second half of this year, kicked on a little bit more than they did in the second half of last year. Treaty were impressive in the first half of the year particularly, but they didn't really drop off in terms of their performances. Um, they were impressive. Cork, they just never quite got that spark at all year. But the problem there for me is is that what happens if a club comes in and says, okay, Eve Mangan, okay, Ellie O'Brien, these sort of players, I'll tell you what, I'll offer you something Cork probably aren't going to offer you. Then all of a sudden, these these other ones are out the door. And that is your biggest fear. That's your biggest danger that Cork could become. That, like You look back at the league from, from several years ago when there was the massive Wilton and Douglas Hall devoid were in Cork and we didn't really see them sort of players playing for Cork City. I think they went at times they went Season without winning game, they struggled to get they struggled to get results throughout the time. There's 2013, 2014. There minus 107 goals, zero points. That's and your problem. Your problem is there, Brefney is is it could happen again. It could happen again. You know, there's there's two se- there's two seasons in a row. They only, the, the, the the next season then in 2015, 16. The only two games they win that season is, is against Kilkenny. You know what I mean? And and it's, it's sort of been a massive. A massive, a very difficult one because you look at the last number of years, they've never been really outside the bottom, the bottom three, bottom four. They've never had that sort of massive rise up the table. Like to finish fifth in a fifth in, a, in, a, in an eighteen league is probably the highest they've finished. But they did reach two cup finals in that period as well. They won one, lost one, as far as I can remember. So there was something about Cork in those years from sixteen, seventeen, right through to nineteen. Look at the year. Look at the team they had when they won the cup final. Did the looks of Claire Shine playing for them? You know what I mean? Um, did some absolutely smashing players. Amanda Budden was in goal. Did some brilliant players at that stage when yeah. they got to the cup, when they got to the cup final in 2020. Yes, listen, they probably got the easier of the draw from from everybody else, but they they they, they were a decent side then, and you were sort of thinking, okay, if this Cork side can kick on, they can get a get get some more players in, they can continue to develop. But straight off the bat, of that winning that winning that losing that cup final. Players go to America. Players are gone. Players are off up other other offers, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're back to square one again. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough cycle, and Cork just needs to sort that out because I think until you get that off the field stuff right, it's very hard to get the on field stuff consistent over any period of time at all. Uh, we've so much to get through today. I don't want to get bogged down in the negative. Um, I didn't quite introduce the show properly. Unfortunately, we got sidetracked by talking about transfers and stuff. We do have plenty to talk about. We haven't had a show since the before the Cup final. Uh, that's on us. We've just had a few technical issues just with the, the practicalities of moving office and a few other bits and pieces of internet connections. We're all up and running now. We're back to square uh 
back to the start of the, the the game we've got good internet we can we can now see each other and talk to each other and of course to you as well as much as we probably don't want to see each other but that's a different story um we also did have the cup final um i want to start with something that happened to, to final whistle i suppose in the aftermath of that we weren't quite expecting it i knew i said it to you as you we were leaving the pitch I, I just had a brief chat with mickey o'connor who's the um the head of i'm not sure what his official title is director of football maybe for athlone um Town. He's, he is Mr. Athlone Town. He he is um, hugely in, involved in every team in the in the in the club. Uh, huge star, former legend of the club himself. Uh, terrorized many League of Ireland defenses over the years. I I grabbed him because in our first year with Sligo Rovers back in 2018 as the under 17s, it was Athlone's first year as well. We faced off twice that season. They beat us both times, and we bumped into Mickey. Now Mickey is a, a polarizing character. Uh, he's like Marmite. You either love him or hate him. But I felt he deserved that opportunity to maybe talk about that journey from 2018 as a, a novice club, no real women's football in the club, up to being the FAI Women's Senior Cup winners. Because it was such a, a meteoric rise, really, from five years later to be looking at, five, well, five calendar years later, to be looking at um, that growth within the club. And I put a microphone in front of him, and then, to be honest, I didn't really have to say anything else once I introduced him. He just took everyone's breath away across the country for about two days, including government ministers who were chasing their tail, trying to, to dis discredit him for about three days afterwards. Uh, we, did invite, um, we did invite the ministers onto this show. Uh, they refused, well... They were unavailable, we'll say, uh, for a comment. They didn't actually refuse, but they were unavailable to to join us and to uh, talk about some of the issues that Mickey raised. But um, three quarters of a million people watched that interview on our channels, and I know we we got ripped off elsewhere. Probably somewhere close to nine or nine hundred thousand or a million people saw that interview. Aaron, one of those was you. Your thoughts? I think he's dead right. Um, the interesting thing is the fact that Chloe Singleton speaking to another another outlet also mentioned something similar, which is around funding and stuff like that for the league. The problem is, is, Brefney, is we see too much in the League of Ireland. Like, I'm going to give the FAI a lot of credit. The, 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 a lot of things the FAI have done this year for the League of Ireland, the rebranding and all that sort of stuff has been brilliant. But we see a lot of things where people expect so much to happen now. The FAI don't have the money. That's the first start of it. Like, we look at other sports and we look at other things that are happening and we're sort of thinking, okay, where is, the, where, where is women's soccer? Women's soccer is talked about as being on this pedestal now because of the women qualifying for the World Cup. Where is the help, the support behind it? It's not coming. And the problem is, is the thing that annoyed me most was, you know, I think, you know, Thomas Byrne saying about oh, going to the World Cup. He flew out there for the first game. Literally, first game ended. He's gone. See you later. Bye. You know what I mean? It's sort of, to me, what I get when it comes to, and it's not just women's soccer, it's women's sport in general. I feel that the government just, it's, it's a token thing. It's not as if they actually care. They don't really, they, they want to be seen to be doing things and they want to be seen to be helping and, and supporting. Like, the problem is, is how do you grow women's sport across the board without without support like this? Organisations, yes, yes, the organisations can do more, but they need funding and they need, they need opportunities to actually be able to put more full-time staff, more people in positions, more people to be able to go and do it. Like, if you look at it, even in terms of the, the women's league, like, the professional contracts coming in, like we've had many debates over whether they, whether the timing was right, the timing wasn't right. If you were to count the amount of players that are actually probably on full time professional co co contracts in this league, you're probably going to get less than a handful. Do I need all five fingers? Probably, probably not of, of full professional contracts. Probably not. And like when we're talking about 
Ernie loses so many players on a regular basis going abroad, going on. How do we keep these players? At the minute, you can't keep them. And do you know what? If, if a player come to me and said, listen, I'm getting an offer of a scholarship from a club to say oh, I can get X, Y, and Z. I can get X, Y, and Z, but the scholarship is 10 times more. You're going to take that scholarship. Education, you're going to take that. And the one thing I do like, and I'm going to give the FAI a lot of credit on this, is league licensing. I think league licensing is important because there's a couple of things that we, we need to see. League licensing around contracts for players, that they're done right. The players get the, the proper recognition when a contract is being given. You know, they get the correct supports. And now the, the, the clubs are going to have to show where they spend money to the FAI. And if clubs don't do it right or clubs decide that they want to do it a different way that they, isn't, isn't fully correct, you know, all this sort of thing will get, get found out. And that's my concern is that, you know, how do you grow the league? I think everything needs to be done you know, with these, con- if players have been offered contracts, great. If clubs can't afford it, that's fine. That's no problem. We're not going to come out and chastise and say, oh, you need to do better. You need to be given these contracts. Most clubs can't afford them. But if the clubs can't afford them, can they do other things for players? Can they make sure they have great, good training facilities? Can they make sure they at least get, they get fed after training? They get correct facilities if they're injured. You know, they get all the best facilities that can help them grow on the pitch. If a club can't afford it, that's fine. And we see with the likes of P-Mount United, P-Mount United can't afford to play players hundreds of hundreds of euro per week, but they can afford they can afford to provide them with good training facilities, good facilities, and and, and things that that mean as much to players as a financial reward. Yeah, no, it, you're you're correct, and and I found myself nodding along as Mickey was talking on the day um, to everything he said, and I said it to you as we walked up the stairs. Um, I've got the interview of the day. I knew that the second I I, I pressed st- stop recording on it because it was just so raw and so honest and from just the emotion of the work that's had to go in to make sure that that happens and the sacrifices and the contributions that have had to be made by parents, by players, by sponsors. Um, and we all know the history of Athlone Town there has been rousing within the club and within the community over the last decade or, or more, um, probably two decades since they've left St. Mel's Park. And there are is, there are obstacles in Athlone in terms of having the full community behind them. Um, I don't think that's ever going to change given the personalities involved. As we can all, you out with somebody, you don't want to deal with them in the future. That's just n- the nature of human existence. Uh Minister Byrne, we did ask for an interview. It was declined or they were unavailable. Um, But he did issue a statement in response to that interview to uh, Balls.ie on the Tuesday, maybe on the Monday uh, or Tuesday. I can't quite remember, but it was early that week. And part of that I'm going to read out to you just because I think it's important in terms of where, as a response to to Mickey's... um, criticisms at Lone Town has received significant government government financial support to date. 2.85 2.85 million in government funding under the sports capital and equipment program was allocated to Athlone Town during the years that the new home stadium was built by the club. In addition, Athlone Town was allocated 200,000 by the government in 2015 for an all-weather pitch, and in tw- 2020, the club was allocated just over a quarter of a million, 251675 by the government to provide suitable and appropriate accommodation for existing members of the club and in order to increase female participation. Now, initially, on on the on the face of it, that looks like a lot of money. Three million quid. What's he talking about not getting any money? In reality, the the 2.8 million, 2.85 million of that was given in uh, I think it was something like January or in 2006. So it's like that's the the stadium is now 20 years old. 
you know, and it's There's only something else, that, something else that was mentioned in the statement that that appeared uh, me, me off, it annoyed me, was the fact that where he says, "Oh, we've just given five hundred thousand for women's football yeah. and grassroots football." Yeah, none of that is for League of Ireland football. None of that is for help grow the League of Ireland. That's all for projects that are going to happen at grassroots level and things like that. That's not money that's going towards helping League of Ireland clubs to grow or helping League of Ireland clubs to provide more facilities or things like that. Because you imagine what some of them clubs, some of them smaller clubs could even do with, say, 50,000. There's a lot that they could do to help even grow or to get things in place. Like The thing is, and I think this is one of the best things that have been done in recent years is the fact that no no player now pays membership, pays a, a subs for playing. Like to think back at only a couple of years ago, players were having to pay to play elite level football because clubs couldn't afford it. Like you look at the even the likes of the insurance bills, things like that. All that sort of thing is continuing to rise and rise and rise in the minute. Whereas clubs are starting to have to look at external factors. Like like yes, the prize money in the league is is, is not great at the minute. Yes, the the, the revenue from LOI TVs it's it's getting there. It's getting better. It's getting better. Or you know around around between the clubs, but like. They're having to look at other avenues for for, for funding and stuff like that. Whereas, you it you'll find it'll take an awful lot longer. Whereas you look at how look at how the WSL exploded off the back of some of the England performances at major championships or England qualified major championships. But we've now got more people probably going on a flight to watch Arsenal, Arsenal and and Chelsea, Arsenal and, and Liverpool play in the opening day of the season than we probably do going to some national league games because they see the exposure, they see what's going on and around the, the WSL, and that's a massive concern for me as well. Let me ask you another question based on, again, that statement from Minister Byrne. Um, he said that €62 million Euros has been provided to the FAI between 2019 and 2022. Is there an argument that he's not wrong and that the FAI have a question to answer about the priorities they've chosen to invest that €62 million in? But a lot of that €62 million was done for the Memorandum of Understanding for around... The crippling debt that the FAI were in. A lot uh, of that was. Done. I'm again. I'm, I'm. My question is still valid, though. It's about the prioritization of where the money has gone, not just in recent years, but. Oh over yeah. The last oh yeah. Year. Yeah, it is. But the problem is, is the FAI. The FAI, as a, as a footballing organization, will always prioritize their senior senior men's and women's teams because they're the ones that are, are bringing their bringing their breadwinners in. Like, yes, he has some. He has some questions there that he that he that he's probably correct on. The other thing I will say, and this is a criticism of the FAI, is I think the fact that the FAI putting off the the invitation to to go before the the, the, the sports committee, you know, putting that, but it's now going to be back potentially into the new year, putting that off because of what had gone on and around the Jonathan Hill situation. Like the Jonathan Hill situation doesn't fill people with confidence. That's the other side of it. Things like what's gone on with the FAI, a lot of people look at look at it now and. Like you understand from governments as well that they look at is it still the same old FAI, the same old people in and around the FAI, and that's that's a valid concern for a lot of people as well. And as much as the FAI are trying to change their name, trying to change their their branding, I think the League of Ireland department is going very well. The League of Ireland department has taken massive steps on, but has the FAI in general? Probably not. Yeah, and unfortunately, in the way Irish sport works, somebody starts excelling. Uh, they get pulled back rather than let pull the rest of the organisation with them. So hopefully, that's not what's happening in Abbottstown at the moment or in the, the coming months and years. Let's actually talk about a bit about football for a change. Um, the Cup Final itself, uh, probably one of the best, uh, for a neutral's point of view, one of the best examples of, of why this league is so exciting and why people should follow this league. It really had a bit of everything, didn't it? Oh, it was, it was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant from a, from a spectacle point of view. 
the only thing probably uh, Maggie Pierce has probably done wrong all season is hitting the ball off her off her own post for the for the first goal. In the at long got one up here, I started thinking, okay, shells have struggled to come back against teams. Super sub Gemma Quinn comes in, nice first goal. Second goal she scores is a, is a lovely finish. The, t- the shirt comes off, she goes celebrating to the Shells fans. You're probably thinking at this stage, Roy, Atlanta might get one more chance. Shells, Shells have, 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 have potentially won the cup. And Gillian Keenan comes on, thrown on by, by Kieran Kaluf to, to go and get a goal and, and comes up trumps late in, late in extra time. Send us the penalties. Like the only other time we had penalties in the cup in, in recent years was. was I think it was 2015, and, and one of the one of the people who we were sitting beside in the press box having to play in that exact playing that exact game, and when when Wexford beat Shells on, on on penalties, and like it's mad to think we haven't had a cup final go to extra time since then, and then when you get to the shootout, it's just it's it's mental. Like Maddie Gibson misses first for for Athlone, then Pearl Slattery steps up. You start thinking, okay, Pearl slapping up. This is a bit of a surprise. She scores, Athlone score again, then all of a sudden Amanda McQuillan steps up for Shelwell and you start thinking, okay, what's going on here? She misses and then, you know, we get through to the last pen- the last penalty for, for Shells where it's missed by Alex Cavanagh, unfortunately. And like, if you were to ask a lot of people... Of all people, if I was picking someone to put my house on... It's probably Alex. It's Alex, every time, all day, every day. Yeah, she she's also she also missed the penalty. I won't say uh, I didn't want to say this, but I, I guess I probably have to for the context. She also missed the penalty in the league this year as well, where herself and Jess Stapleton actually done rock paper scissors to decide who was taking the penalty and hit the crossbar off the back of it. So it, you know things like that stand in your mind. But like the question I would have from a Shell's viewpoint is, and this is no disrespect to Noah to Pearl or to Amanda, but why is your centre back and your goalkeeper taking your first two penalties? Listen, Perlo's Perlo's a Shells icon. I've said it multiple times. She's adored in that club. She had the guts to step up. But why is your why is your, your centre back and captain taking your first penalty and then your goalkeeper taking your second penalty? That's the bigger question I would be asking because well, I think the, the players is probably in your question, and that's the word captain. I think Perlo probably wanted to lead by example and, and take that penalty. Also, bear in mind that as a former well, I, won't, I wouldn't even call, call myself a former goalkeeper as an attempted goalkeeper. Um, you strike a ball at a goal way more than most players in the squad in training, so it's not that it, it's unusual to see it, particularly in such a big game. But you've got you've got four, you've got high caliber forwards on that pitch. You've got high caliber midfielders and players who you'd expect to take penalties. Where I was a little bit surprised to see it, but listen, do you know what? I know she missed the penalty, but fair play to Amanda McCullough. Actually, having the goal to stand up and say, "Okay, I'll take the second penalty." I think she deserves an awful lot of credit for that. Absolutely. Um, speaking of, I suppose, individual players and, and talking about it, the cup final, of course. Uh, highlights for you on, on the cup final. Um, anyone that st- stood out on the night? I think it wasn't really the greatest game of football. It was more no, the attention. The spectacle the... was brilliant. The spectacle yeah. was brilliant. The actual the game itself wasn't. I think for me, I thought Gemma Quinn's influence probably was the one thing I took away from coming off the bench. She was absolutely superb. Um, she she done really really well for her, so it's bagged by two goals. Obviously, I think she was probably the one who would who would stand out and walk away and say she was the, the one who impressed me in the cup final. Just in terms of that loan, obviously been a hundred years since the men won the FAI Cup uh, first. I think technically, it's ninety nine, but they've given yeah. themselves a hundred because of the the half season extra. But yeah, it's, so. Like I know people that say no, it's their second trophy, but realistically, it's their first of the big trophies, with having won the first Presidents Cup to win the FA, win the FAI Cup. Like even even for the fact of even 
speaking to like even Kieran Kilduff after, you could see how much even they meant to the likes, the likes of himself. Like a lot of people probably said going into that job was going to be a difficult job, but they've they finished the season like a train and they've they've sort of they, they deserved the cup final. I think that win, as much as the Shell fans won't like it, that win's a win for, for for the league for the league development, the league the league exposure in terms of growth. I think that'll help on. Hopefully, that'll help to bring the likes of the the clubs who have been who've been below Athlone on to sort of see. Well, Athlone can if you can do that, maybe uh, maybe you can do what Athlone have done. Well, you love start looking at the the recent winners and of the major competitions across the league in maybe the last three or four seasons. You've got this year alone. You've got okay, Athlone won the Presidents Cup. If you want to count that, it's it's a, a question mark over that one. But Piedmont winning the league, um, Athlone winning the cup, Galway winning the Avenir Sports Cup, and then when you start going back a year or two. Seeing the likes of Wexford on those trophies, seeing the likes of uh, Shelburne, of course, uh, won the double the year before. Um, so you've had five or six teams um, in the last two or three years that have lifted trophies. That's huge. If yeah, the league, to I, I'd go. I'd, I'd flip that a little bit. I'd flip that a little bit, and I'd say we've had different winners. Whereas if you look at the previous, say, last six or seven seasons, it's all been dominated by Shells, Piedmont, Wexford. Where now we've actually started to see with Cork winning the cup a couple of years ago, and the winners at the Athlone and Galway, we've now started to see that that stranglehold gradually starting to break to where we're now starting to see other teams being in cup finals as well, other teams getting that opportunity, and I think that's probably the, that's your um, to your point. It's 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 definitely a, it's definitely a step in, it's a hundred percent a step in the right direction. You alluded to her, and we might as well mention her because we did sit beside with Fahi for most of the duration of the game uh, on that Sunday in Shamrock Row and Tala. It was it was interesting to see to hear her thoughts on um, the changes in the brief period she's been out of the country. She's of course now with Colorado Rapids in the MLS. Um, interesting to hear her talk about maybe the women's side of that. There's no women's team in in Denver at the moment, or at least in the in the major leagues, but. In terms of uh, her ver- version of it, we talked about the differences between maybe the squad depths from four or five years ago to the squad depths now. And the, each club has a much deeper squad talent-wise than they might have had even just four or five years ago. 100%. 100%. Gone are the days are, you, you know, you see clubs rocking up the games at 11, 12 players. Now you see them rocking up with players who are sitting in the stands because they've more than enough players that they need. But the thing is, I think that depth is going to continue to grow and it'll grow even even further in the next couple of years with, with the youngsters who are getting better coaching, getting better exposure from a younger age. I think that'll help to even grow the depth even more to whereas, who knows, in, in about five years' time, players who are, who are young players who are starring now, might, might, might find it hard to get into teams because the next generation have just come and overtaken them. Well, it's funny you should mention about finding it hard to get into teams because you've just touched on the next thing I want to talk about. We're going to move away from the Cup Final. And the next big event in the calendar after the Cup Final, um, oh, what, what event was it? I should go check my invite. Oh, no, wait, <laughs> I didn't get one. Sorry, was that a bit uh, catty? Uh, no, the Player of the Year Awards, the Team of the Year Awards, and uh, all the kind of, the Premier Division Awards, Women's Premier Division Awards, gala event in Clontarf Castle last week. One of us got an invite. Food was nice. <laughs> yeah, sure it was. It was lovely. Uh, I was here having beans on toast. Uh, no, I'm joking. I, I do jest. I do jest. But um, it, a great night for the league. The photographs and stuff uh, looked like a proper awards night. 
way up in class from what we've seen before, maybe in terms of mid-morning in a conference room somewhere, maybe in a stadium. Um, so nice to see the girls getting that opportunity to get glammed up and get together and meet, meet each other in a proper social setting where it's not just for an hour, get a few photographs and go home again. Um, I, I felt it took that particular event took a big step forward this year. I'm going to disagree with you slightly here because I think the last couple of years, bar COVID, since 2019, to their credit, the FAI have, been, have actually been putting on league awards, to their credit to this. They had one in, I can't think of the name of the hotel, over, over just, just off Lansdowne Road. They they were, had one, like obviously last year was in the Gibson. They've gone, thankfully they have gone away from this mid-afternoon stuff because this mid-afternoon stuff uh, didn't really suit anybody. And like I think for, for the players, they deserve that. They deserve that night where they can go, they can just let their hair down, they can enjoy themselves, they can have that off. Um, it, it, I think it's 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 nice to see. It's nice to see the recognition that players that players do get. I know, and we will talk about it. I know people have different opinions on who should win different type of awards and stuff like that. But that the, the great thing is, Brefney, if, if we weren't talking about it, you know, we wouldn't be yeah. talking about the league, and we wouldn't be talking about you know these players who've 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 done things. And I think that's where it's great to see recognition for players. No, a hundred percent. And and I kind of smirked there because I I do think some of the awards. Um, while listen, let me start by saying, um, I think anyone whose name is even up for these awards, even in the in the discussion, deserves that kind of recognition. I, I'd love to see every single player in the league getting promoted and getting uh, treated to, and with the respect that they deserve for the effort they put in, the skill that they possess, and all of that. Um, there's so many of these awards coming out now at us. We're seeing some from the PFAI. We're seeing some from the soccer writers. We're seeing some from the league itself. We're seeing some from individual clubs for their own players. It's kind of hard to keep track of who's in what team and who's been selected. Everybody who's in those conversations, by the way, I think are amazing. They deserve all the credit in the world. But like I said to you maybe a week before this came out, the Premier Division Team of the Year, some people would say, how can you have five P-Man players in it? My question would be the exact same, but with a very different reflection on it. It's how can you only have five uh, P-Man players in that I'd team? I'd seven. I'd have I'd seven. Possibly eight. Um, in fact, I think my exact quote to you before was, I'd start with the P-Mount 11 and then have to make an argument for anybody to replace them. And the only two places I could possibly find replacements uh, there would be for the two American girls in Athlone, in my opinion. I think they had phenomenal seasons, uh, including Dana probably, and I'm going to contradict myself in a minute, but Dana played pretty much half the season and still was the top scorer in the league. Uh, phenomenal. Do you remember what I said on the last podcast? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. If she if she if she'd have played every game, she'd have scored 25, 30 goals and she'd be player of the year. Uh-huh. I have no doubt about it. I don't disagree with that either. Um, I think left back um, is the only other position that's up for consideration, in my opinion. And and only because Tara Handel played the first half of the year, got injured, and then Dervila Byrne came back from her studies and played the second half of the year. If either one of those girls had played the full year, they wouldn't be in the conversation either. They'd, they'd be in that position. I think Piemont were that far ahead of the rest of the league all year that that's where I'd be going for. I'd have eight Piemont players in the, in the competition. And then the third, the, the left-back position, I can't even remember who I said to you at the time who I'd have in there. 
and Maggie Pierce might have been a consideration, but I think there might have been somebody else who came across my mind. I can't remember who it was now. Oh, it might have been uh, from Galway, Trace Kenevy, uh, impressed me um, at fullback this year as well. The two the two fullbacks for Galway impressed me in the Avenue Sports Cup final and through the season when I saw them. So um, I wouldn't have had a single one. And I, there's no disrespect to the, the teams, the clubs, uh, but I wouldn't have had a single one for Shells. Uh, Maggie Pierce possibly. Um, at you're, not gonna like, you're not going to like this then. I voted for two Shells players. Well, two is fine, but I, um, I would, and would. you'd probably be surprised at one of them. I actually had Megan Smith Lynch, and I'll tell you why. Because every time, every time I saw Shells, I thought Megan Smith Lynch was one of their Maggie Pearson, Megan Smith Lynch for Shells, two best players for me. I thought they were. No, I was going to sorry. I, I I don't disagree with you, and I, I just before it goes on too long, and I get hate mail from Shamrock Rovers fans and Shells fans, which I know is going to come anyway. Um, I do have to say. My favorite thing about this team of the year award is that there's genuine debate about who should be in mm-hmm. it, who shouldn't be in it. Because yeah. I think in up to maybe four or five, three, four or five years ago, the team kind of picked itself. 100%. You could get eight or nine of them every season. Now we have probably three or four really strong candidates out of 11 teams in every single position. Anna Uliak would have got an honorable mention for me as well. Um, she'd be. Touch and go with Neve Reed Burke. I think Neve Reed Burke had a fabulous year. Uh, but Annie Uliak really impressed me, particularly in the first half of the season. She probably isn't in the conversation because of the latter stages of that. As, as I, I disagree. I think it's, I disagree in the sense that she's not in the conversation with second half. She still has to be in that conversation because the fact that the easy option in the second half of the season is for Treaty just to fade away. Easy options for them just to turn around and fade away. But they actually didn't. And that was the big, you know, they still put in impressive performances. And like, I think realistically, for me, she's there or thereabouts. She's there or thereabouts. I think Nemo winning her sixth league title, I think just the magnitude of, you know, the way they were written off and 11 clean sheets in them games is is just is, is superb. But I do think the biggest thing that we need to take away from this is the fact that we're having a conversation because we think so many people could make the team of the year. That's the biggest, that is the biggest thing. And as you said, it's the biggest thing, it's the biggest driver because it means that, a, there's more people talking about players in the league. There's more exposure coming on the league. Players are getting better. Players are getting the competition is, is getting even even hotter and it's getting up a notch every every year. And I think that's the most important thing. That's the best thing about it is the fact that it, the, the, the standard of players is continuing. The standard of players continuing to rise. Yes, not every game is always going to be the best game of football, and um, we'll we'll say it when it's not. But the actual standard of individual players within teams is getting better and better each season. Yeah, let's talk about the Player of the Year award. We're split over this. Um, Sive Doyle, of course, given the award on the night and definitely my top two. Uh, that's what I'd say. But I, I said it before the show and my mind has uh, before the awards, my mind hasn't changed. For me, I think the biggest influence on the league this season was Karen Duggan, both on and off the field in both situations. And I think she should have possibly have won that award. Sive, a very distant uh, no, a very close second, and then you could have picked any P-Man player to be the third nominee, in my opinion. I, I think it's just... I'm not surprised there there was a kind of a, a clean sweep across the boards of P-Man, and I think the three people nominated for Personality of the Year somewhere else. It's it, They have they have everything wrapped up, but for me, so I think... I don't I don't think Sive didn't deserve to win it, but I, I think Karen Duggan probably deserved a mention in that sh- conversation as well. Yeah, I think for me... For me... Uh, I get what you're saying. I'll be honest. I've, I I I gave Karen. Karen got my vote. But when I look when I look back and think about you it, how did like, yourself as someone who has a vote? 
Well, I said it won't. <laughs> but the, 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 the thing for me, Rafni, is the thing for me here is right. Is care of WL show, please on Twitter. <laughs> the thing for me is Saib is the most consistent player constantly in our league. She's out and she's never rarely ever drops below an eight out of ten. For me, the biggest travesty about Saif Doyle is Saif Doyle is not a senior international. That's the biggest travesty for me about Saif Doyle, is how she has not been picked as a senior international over the last number of years. Like, I do agree that Karen, Do- like Karen Duggan has been superb. I honestly struggled to split the two of them. I, I tossed them. I tossed the, nearly, nearly got to the stage of tossing a coin because the two of them have the, their influences in that team for different for different reasons. Saif Doyle... Has come up with some clutch, clutch goal for for P Mount. Like the goal now, when we look back at it, that won them the league against that now won them the league against Shamrock Rovers in Tallaght Stadium. You know we didn't know it then, but you know she scored some really, really important goals for them. Like I think from a P Mount viewpoint, like you could have nearly broke the trophy in in in, in twenty and hand the piece out to everybody because as a club they've been absolutely superb. The one thing I will say is. If Mount United are not nominated for the RTE Sport Team of the Year awards this year, it'll be an absolute travesty from RTE because I know everybody's talking about Ireland qualif- Ireland in the World Cup, but Ireland in the World Cup doesn't deserve to be nominated for the Team of the Year. That was last year's thing where we yes, qualified for the World Cup. I did say this, this year's, on the last episode, yeah. This year's, this year's thing is what's being done this year. This yeah. year, Mount United deserve to be in that RTE Team of the Year. And if it if it's the case, I hope they get support and they get, they get votes because... What they've done this year is nothing short or remarkable. Oh, 100%. Um, let's switch our attention to the Young Player of the Year. Uh, obviously, we had one team dominated the league with a ba- backbone, serious, impressive performances from a load of youngsters coming through from the Underage Academy. Um, so they obviously dominated the nominations in this award, didn't they, p Oh, no, wait. No, they didn't. Sorry, the sarcasm is, is very high tonight. Um, two Shamrock Rovers players nominated, Leo Leary and Scarlett Heron, up against Jess Fitzgerald, uh, who I, uh, anchored so, the team at midfield this season. For me, um, all three fine young players, absolutely fine young players. But um, for me, I think given how the, her impact in the the title winning team, I I think Scarlett Heron probably uh, not Scarlett Heron, sorry, um, yeah, Jess Fitzgerald, Jesse, um, Jess Fitzgerald would have edged this for me. But again. Three fine players. They will be stalwarts of this league, if not bigger leagues in 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 other countries, uh, in years to come. But I can't understand how this didn't finish in PRL Park as well. Yeah, I I understand why it did. I understand why it didn't. Um, like I think Leo Leary's had a great. Leo Leary has had a great season. I think if you look at where Leo was last year to where she is this year, she's definitely come up two or three notches at least this year. Her performance with Shamrock Rovers has been has been have been very good. She's improved a lot under under Collie O'Neill. I understand why people would would be inclined to go that way. Um, for me, I do I do agree with you with Jess with Cheryl, but come here, I can't take anything away from Leo Leary. I think Leo Leary's been absolutely brilliant. And like I know a lot of people would say Eva Kelly won the Shamrock Rovers Player of the Year. Like the problem is, is are you gonna nom- like are you gonna nominate Eva over over Jess Fitzgerald? I don't I don't think so. Could there other players have had a snoo- a, a, an opportunity? I think it came probably too soon for Ellen Dolan. Like the problem with the young young player of the year is the young player of the year is always gonna be one of them that's it's it's really di- it's really difficult. I do think probably between I think Scarlett has had a decent year, but I, I definitely do think it was between it was between Leah and Leah and Jess. But like for me, I, I probably thought Jess was just ahead of her. Genuine question for you. Is Eva Kelly in your top three? Because she's definitely in mine. No. Okay. 
No, my 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 other one would be Roshan Malloy from Atlon. I think, and I could be wrong, apologies, Roshan, if I'm uh, aging you out of this. I think uh, Roshan is a year too old for, for consideration. She was under 17 in 2018, which would make her 21, 22. I think she might just... 21, we were told, I think it was 21. Okay. But I, but yeah, I Roshan will be in that consideration if eligible. I think she had a fabulous year with Athlone. Um, but, the, but the thing is, the, the, the thing here again is, is right. Yes, so many young players were not nominated, but there's so many of these young players that we're going to talk about for many, many years to come, and we're going to see some of these young players, even who weren't nominated, we're going to go on and win Senior Player of the Year. They're going to go on and win Ireland Cups. They're going to go on and win thing, and that's the best part of it is that we can see these young players who are who are causing who are who are who are shining bright lights that are going to come true in the next couple of years and sort of win all these awards, dom- dominate all these awards. Like, I think back and I look back to when Heather, Heather Payne made her payment debut at 16. You know, I look back at them sort of years, watching Abby, the likes of Abby Larkin make her debut year, a couple of years ago. And even the likes of Leo Leary's, you see, and you, you just see where the, where, that, where the generations are coming through and, and continually. So, like, listen, I think, I think these awards for many more years are just going to get even harder to pick. Absolutely. Speaking of uh, young players coming through, going to get accolades along... Uh, in the game, Ellen Dolan called up late to the women's national team squad for two games this weekend. Uh, not the only player who's been brought in last minute, uh, but definitely great to see her in that squad. I'm not sure if she's ready, and that's being honest with you. I'm not sure if she's ready. I understand why. I understand why they're potentially doing it because she's this. She's the on-form player. Just want to say, I hope they're going to be careful with the likes of Ellen and even Frey who they brought in because the last thing we want is these sort of players just to come in, you know, it's about taking their time. They, they will be, they will be very, very good players. It's just at such a young age, it's always difficult to bring them in and around this environment. Do you play them? Do you not play them? I think that's the biggest question. I wouldn't be surprised if we see one of them get, get a bit of game time in either of the, in the two games that are upcoming, but it's, it's always a difficult situation about blood and youngsters in. Um, I know the under 19s, I think of a friendly, a friendly this weekend as well. Like it's 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 tough, um, you know. A lot of people, a lot of people, be calling for some of these sort of players. Others will be saying, "Why aren't others in ahead?" And like, you got to feel for the likes of Marissa Shiva, who, who, who isn't being, who hasn't been picked. Where some of these players haven't necessarily played a lot of game time either. Um, other players starting to come back to fitness as well. So I think we're we're starting to get rid of some of the injuries as well from an Ireland viewpoint. Yeah, I do think Marissa Shiva has been very harshly done by in the last few months uh, in the Irish context. Uh, in terms of the other US-based players, uh, Sinead Farrelly has had her option engaged by the club. She'll be at uh, New Jersey, New York, Gotham next. I got that wrong. Uh, Gotham FC anyway um, next season. That's, that's a big plus for her. Absolutely delighted with Sinead. I don't know if any of people who've... Whoever listened to the the counter attack podcast with Brianna Scurry to hear what's actually what she actually went through and you know how she's fought back from all them demons. I'm absolutely delighted for Sinead. I think um you know I've had the chance to speak to her a couple of times. She's not she's a lovely individual and you can see even back in Ireland last week with family who are based in Ireland. So loves being in the country, loves loves playing for Ireland. And I think it's it's a positive and we'll hopefully see her in a green shirt for another good while. If you're uh, in charge of the Irish team this week, are you looking at a Already guaranteed a semi-final spot in. There is actually is no there actually is no semi-finals. No, I've been doing research over this. I thought there was, but it looks at things. I don't think there is semi-finals in tier two. 
it looks as though there's only there's only semi-finals in um in the top league. That's what it looks like. So I've been doing a bit of snoop in the last couple of days because I was under the impression there was and there'd be games in February. Doesn't look like there is for Ireland. For me, to be honest with you, with top spot already assured in the group, um, I would be playing That's a different right. goalkeeper. I'd be playing a different goalkeeper in both games for a start. I'd be looking at playing, making four to five, at least four or five changes in each game. I'd be looking at trying to give some players an opportunity. I think this is a prime moment to do it. I don't think she will. I think she's going to go with her, what, what, she, what she has pretty much gone with. But for me, I think it's an opportunity to experiment. We've got what we wanted. We've got into League A. We're guaranteed to play off for the next Euros. Go and experiment. Go and see can what these younger, what some of these younger players who maybe haven't played a bit. I'd love to see Hayley Nolan getting some game time. I think she's been someone who's been in and around the squad for a long time, hasn't really played an awful lot. I think the squad is interesting in itself. There's a couple of players who 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 are out who are in the last squad, Clara Reardon, Amber Barra, and Megan Campbell, to name three, who haven't been picked this time. I think the squad is like it's 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 a it's a real interesting squad. Like it's it's difficult to summarize that to sort of assess it in terms of its strength. You know, I, I do think we'll have the likes of Leanne Kieran back next year. Um Leanne obviously making her way back with, with Liverpool at the minute. I do think we'll have players like that back next year and be interesting to see if Marissa can force her way back in. But like for me, when you're coming into a Nations League, a League A next year, there's so many places in that squad up for grabs. I don't think there's, there's as many player, players as they think are probably guaranteed places in that squad going forward. I think there's a lot of players who are potentially on, on chopping blocks if, not, if they don't play with their clubs. But that's probably because of the number of players who are excelling across the globe, and across the, the continent, particularly from Denmark to Belgium to Spain to um, Scotland and England. There's, there's players everywhere. Now, I've done a little bit of quick research there. You, you appear to be right. I could have sworn I saw uh, semifinals and finals of that competition in in uh, February March, but obviously that's not going to be the case. Um, there, is an, there is an international window, the 21st or the 28th of February, so that'll be just before the, the season kicks off back home. So I don't know what I don't know whether Ireland are going to try to get some games in or go, maybe go to Spain and do a warm on a training camp. I'm sure they'll, pe- they'll potentially pencil something in there. Yeah, there might even be some of those uh, kind of um, cups, the uh, competitions, the Algarve Cup and such, they normally take place in March, April, so we'll see what happens with them uh, over the next few weeks. In terms of the weekend, though, Hungary on Friday, Northern Ireland on Tuesday, uh, that'll be a decent trip up to Windsor Park. Um, looking forward to that? Yeah, absolutely. I want two clean sheets and six points. That's about, even, if you may, even if they make changes, that's, for me, that's 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 something that we need to be aiming for. The two wins, I don't think, are, are negotiable. Um, the two clean sheets would be a nice bonus. Finish finish off the campaign with, with five out of six clean sheets, I think, would be would be really nice. Yeah, no, uh, exciting times ahead for those who are living close to or, or within driving distance of Northern Ireland. Maybe uh, get yourself sorted. I'm not sure. The only thing I will say, it's an awful shame to six o'clock kick off, but I know why they've done it. They've done it as because UEFA request all games in League B, in League B, C, and D, League B and C to kick off at the same time because there's certain groups that have permutations around promotion and relegation and making semi-finals and stuff like that. Well, even now, if you look at the league table for Group B1 that we're in, uh, we're done and dusted. We, we're seven points clear with two games to go. We can't be caught for promotion. Uh, but Hungary are only four points ahead of Albania, who are bottom. So we were to be yeah, Hungary. The other thing is there's also an opportunity. So the team who finishes second place in our group will play the team who finishes third place in League B, League A. So there's also an opportunity for teams to look to take it up as well. As much Every- as... 
every position matters. If you finish second, you're in a promotion playoff. If you finish third, you're in a relegation playoff down to the, the group below you. And fourth gets relegated automatically. So every single result matters, even though it mightn't matter to us. Northern mm-hmm. Ireland could potentially be looking to beat us on Tuesday to guarantee themselves a playoff yeah. from, for promotion, trying to avoid a playoff for the for relegation. So that's where we could be on uh, very, very easily could be on Tuesday mm-hmm. evening. Is there could be an awful lot more uh, on the line for the North than there is for us. 100%. Looking forward to it. Being in Windsor Park once. Was there when Linfield played Cork City in the Europa League many years ago. Looking forward to going back again. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. My first time, actually, I've been, I've been, I've done coaching courses in the north with the uh, IFA. I've done, I've done, I've been to games across the, the province, but I've never been to Windsor Park. So I'm quite looking forward to Tuesday evening, first time up there as well. Aaron, that's it for the week. So much to talk about. We probably didn't get into half of what we wanted to. Uh, but we are always conscious of not keeping our listeners longer than the hour. Of course, you can get all of this information um, on finalwhistle.ie if you want to check out there. All you saw us flying through old league tables. It's all there. Um, we're backdating all of this information as we go in terms of international representation as well on the site. Uh, if you want something added, drop us a note. Let us know. Of course, Aaron's always at the WNL show on all of his uh, There's no abuse, please. <laughs> abuse about anything he said or anything I said, you can send it to uh, he'll listen to it. I'll probably just ignore it uh, in terms of that. But it's been a, a great season covering the, the show. We will be back next week with the internationals just to round up. And we might do the odd show here and there through the winter uh, just to see how players are getting on in other leagues around the country but or around the globe. But uh, for the time being, that is a wrap on virtually all of the domestic stuff. One last final word, and that is the underdogs. It's looking like just for scheduling issues, neither of us will be there on uh, Saturday night. But Aaron... Um, great to see women's soccer in that kind of sphere now where it's in mainstream TV. Absolutely. And, you know, best luck to the players who are involved. Hopefully some of them we may see on the National League level next year. I've no doubt we'll see some of them playing at this level in the next couple of seasons. Aaron, as always, been a pleasure. We'll be back next week to round up the season and the international break. Uh, we'll be back with you again then. Talk to you soon.